you know, the, the service is like a genie, you know. So you get everything done, but you never seen or heard. And that, that really is quite special to find that in restaurants. Hello, and welcome to Root and Bone, the podcast where we find people we love from UK food culture and ask them to cook a meal that really means something to them. And while they cook it, we talk. I'm Tim Wilde. This week's guest is Vivek Singh. Uh, Vivek Singh is the culinary mastermind behind Cinnamon Club, one of the first restaurants in the UK to really elevate Indian food into a fine dining, high-end kind of luxury experience. Um, This episode was a real joy to record. Vivek Singh's been catering to Westminster power brokers and politicians and lawyers and you know, kind of powerful people of all kinds for about 20 years. But as a host, he could not have been more welcoming, could not have been more down to earth, could not have been nicer. So uh, it was a lot of fun to meet him. It was a lot of fun to see the way that he cooks and hear about his life. And so please sit down, enjoy a huge plate of warming, comforting Indian food with Chef Vivek Singh. What I should have asked at the beginning, what I should ask now, is that what are we going to have today? Um, I don't know. So I was thinking about it and, and I thought, I, mean, I wanted you to have a couple of things that really meant something to me. Yeah. Um, and so on this, I, I've got a paneer dish that I'm incredibly... Um, I love paneer. You love paneer? Oh, I love yeah, paneer, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought about meat and fish and, and then I didn't know you know, what, who ate what, yeah, so yeah. I kind of stuck with this. Um, so I got a paneer dish that I first learned 30 years ago um, from um, some event wedding caterers and uh, hotels, uh, small hotels, uh, not, not sort of hotel school. Um, and then I taught that to my mother in sort of 1995, so about 25 years ago. And then my mother um, makes it all the time, and she's really famous for it. She's, right. you know, does it's she one pre- of those. Does she pretend it's hers? No, 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 no. Um, uh, yeah, now it's hers. It oh, really okay, is yeah, hers. Yeah. She's made it her own. It's brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, and she's really famous in the neighborhood. People, uh, grandchildren, they all, you know, it's, it's uh, Granny's paneer. It's amazing. Um, and and um, I, I, we still make it all the time when you know when either she's here or you know she's making for us or whatever. It's a very special dish, but um, tradition, um, talking of, you know, tradition, um, how tradition doesn't just go in one direction, it can go the other. Right, you know, that's it's fantastic. A, it's, a, it's a really sort of, uh, and then um, to go with that, I'm, I'm making a, um, a sort of, you know, a vegetable kind of pilau. Um, again, it's, it's one of the things that she makes all the time. Uh, and it's one of the, the best versions I've all, ever eaten. It really is, you know, quite simple. So we're here in your lovely kitchen uh, in South London. And so what, what's going on? We've got some rice that you've just washed. How often would you wash that? How much do you wash that? Because everyone seems to do this differently. I'm determined to learn a proper rice lesson while I'm, while I'm here today. So right, right. So we gave um, it a swill around, got a little bit of the starch off. Will you be doing that again, no, or is it done now? No, no, no. I, I've, I've, I've done it a couple. So they've, they've had, um, it's had two, sort of two changes of water. I'll let it soak for a bit. I might just do it one more time before we put it in. But I also but see people been. religiously washing it until the, the, the water's run completely clear. clear. Yeah, but that does, uh, it, that is exactly the way everybody has been taught to do. Is that not uh, right? No, that's right. But it just wastes so much water. 
Right. I mean, you know, when you think of the planet, yeah, um, yeah, um, and you also become more aware of the amount of rice that is required to produce a kilo right. of rice. You know, yeah. it's not something the planet can afford long term, anyways. And then you buy that, and then you wash it, and you still waste so much water. It just is criminal. So you know you've got to adapt. But yeah, like yeah. like with everything, we we adapt our ways. We find you know other ways of working. And this whole fascination with uh, fluffy um, rice, each grain individually separate from each other, it's an obsession, mostly in the West. It's right. not really the way one should be. Because actually, why do you consume rice? You consume rice for starch, because yeah. of sustenance. What you're doing is you're washing away all the starch and getting rid of it. Or the other way of cooking it is, you know, you boil it like you boil pasta. And yeah, you tip all the starch. Tip all the starch. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you're just losing everything, and you, you know, there's not, none of the nutrients are saved. Right, right, right. But and you most, want some starch exactly. for, uh, for not not just for uh, for sustenance, but also for a little bit of solidity. Body, yeah, right. Body, yeah. So basically, a lot of and, and you know, again, out of the three hundred odd um, types of rice, maybe more that that must be indigenous in the country, and, and most people consume. Um, the only rice that we seem to be able to recognize or get here yeah. in the UK is basmati. Yeah. Uh, it's only basmati. Only, yeah. Only basmati. Long grain. Yeah. Uh, whatever it's called. You know, it's always basmati. But it's, it's not necessarily the best or the most prized or whatever. So in India at home, we'd probably use something called a govin bhog, which is a smaller grain of rice. Um, a similar uh, sort of consistency, but much smaller. And, um, and it, it has a lot more fragrance and it, you know, it just sort of um, really you know, beautiful, not not as fluffy. Right, a little but, more of a distinct flavour. Yeah, a little bit more distinct flavour. And what's going on in here, though? Is um, that basmati? So, yeah. so this is basmati. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is soaked. Uh, and I've kind of washed it in a couple of changes of water, but not really under running water. Oh, that's great. Good. Well, this is how I would do it. So I'm yeah. feeling good right yeah, now. Good. No, that, yeah, you should feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we've got chopped carrots, chopped uh, cauliflower. Uh, some I'll, I'll throw in some... Uh, julienne ginger. Oh, yeah, that yeah. might be for something else. And a uh, small red onion. Yeah. And this is the base for the pilau, right? Yeah. So, and what's going on in this uh, pan over here? Is that a masala? So what's it? Uh, it's been on for an hour. Oh, so okay. I've, I've cooked sort of um, slowly cooked some onions and tomatoes and a bit of ginger and garlic. I've added some yogurt in there and a paste of boiled cashew nuts. Ah, and it's all okay. been sort of slowly cooking for an hour. And ready, I'm going to um, toss the paneer in it when. Oh, right, okay. It. And the yogurt yeah. and the cashew nuts have given it that sort of thicker, thick, creamier correct. texture. Yeah. And that, is that slowly simmering down over that hour? Like it, a, it like, has been. Like a ragu or a. a, a um, so you're uh, looking for a marmalade consistency, right? Something uh, that you could spread on toast, and that's what you've got. Um, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea, actually. You just, have, you just <laughs> spread it on toast. That would be just great. Spread it on toast, Straight out of the yeah. jar. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I just have a little smell of that? Yeah. Have a smell. Oh, that smells fantastic. Really, really. So good. this 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 paneer dish that I was talking about, you know, it's a it's a it's not very on trend if you think of how people think and um, want to consume vegetarian food these days. It, you know, it's all dairy free, vegan, right. um, whatever have you. Um, but again, you know, I think I think this is in my mind. This is a classic. It's a 
It's a right on sinful, anxious, dairy dream of a dish. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great to me. I, like I said, I really love um, paneer. Paneer was a bit of a revelation for me when I first started to eat Indian food. It was a bit of a latecomer to spicy food in general. Really? Probably didn't have anything with chili or coriander or cumin in it until I was about How 18 are you years old. Now? Oh, How I are you? love, I love it. The, okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, as, as a lot of people who come late to something, I became an instant convert. had right. quite a conservative food upbringing. My dad doesn't like anything spicy, so no, not even really onions or garlic, let alone oh. like ginger or chili or anything like oh, that. Oh, really? So yeah. Very, very, um, uh, very sort of conservative palate. And you know what the food was like in, in Britain in the 70s in and 70s, 80s. 80s. It was terrible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, a lot of, yeah, protein and potatoes basically. It was you know a lot of um, uh, boiled vegetables, boiled mutton, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I became as soon as I as soon as my palate was woken up by spice, then I, I was into it completely. And so you don't mind, you're not no, scared, no, no, but you're not put out in. or scared by that. No. You know? So yeah, all three of those green chilies that you just uh, chopped up, yeah, <laughs> throw them in. That's absolutely yeah. no problem. So, in the uh, kind of cast iron pan, mm. the sizzling you can hear is we've got uh, curry leaves. No. No? no. What, uh, bay leaf? Yeah, bay leaf. Bay leaf, red onion, uh, fennel? No, I've got bay leaf, uh, cumin, peppercorn, uh, and black cardamom. Black those, cardamom. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so those are the spices that have gone in. And once they've sizzled up, I, I'm frying some onions into it. Yeah. Um, just, I want to I wanna get this sort of onion. And this nice has all been fried in ghee, just yeah. for the benefit of the listener. Smells yeah. smells absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, any, have you seasoned that yet? There, no, there, not yet, not okay. yet. I haven't seasoned it at all. Right. Um, and what's going to go in there after this? So I'm going to put the carrots, the um, cauliflower, and also going to use some turmeric, and season right. it with salt. Fantastic. I'll throw in these sort of slate green chilies because you love them so much. I do. Um, this will be I'll, embarrassing for me if, if it's too much and <laughs> no, I start crying and my nose runs <laughs> It won't be too much. No. But it's, you know, the, the onions are nicely sort of you know, um, crisping up. So now we've got a cup of pretty hot water going into our rice, cauliflower, carrots, chilies, spices. Two cups of water? No, three. Three? I had, I had a... One and that and rice toasted rice. A, that toasted for quite a long time before the water went in. So uh, I was basically I was you know frying the vegetables, um, mm -hmm. frying the vegetables and, and frying, <clears throat> um, stirring the rice constantly in there. Sort of what I was trying to do was to coat each grain of rice with the ghee and the spices and the seasoning to kind of just go through. Um, and will some of that also have been absorbed by the rice so that we've, the, the rice is going to be more flavorful as a result, won't it? Correct, yeah. And that's quite, um, I'm expecting that, and I don't know if I'm right, but I'm expecting that to have a really sort of nice, um, rounded, almost quite light sort of vegetable flavor to it. We should still be able to taste, or t taste the, uh, the, a little bit of that freshness. Um, yeah, we should be able to taste uh, the vegetables. We should be able to see, um, you know, taste 
um, some of that sort of background heat um, coming through from the chilies um, and all the spices that have been frying and the sweetness from the caramelized onions. It basically, it does. The colors of this are fantastic. It's a real kind of rainbow of a dish. I love that. Right, so, um, yeah, and you know, if, if my mom was doing it, she probably would have fried the vegetables and rice the night before. She might have some leftover in the in fridge all the time. Right. So if, if she had unannounced visitors that she had a lot of, that she'd simply put that in a pan, put some boiling water and, and then she'd go with it, you know? Right, and now we've got a handful of uh, frozen peas. Yeah, I love people. I like, um, I like the sweetness of them, small and, Nigel Slater says, with a bit, bit of advice of his that I've always remembered from reading it, is that you should keep a bag of frozen peas ab about you at all times. Because <laughs> it's going to get you out of so much trouble when you come. True, true. The, um, so, when one of the other things that really interests me about mm -hmm. Cinnamon Club, and I know that there are many other restaurants now, and I don't want to talk about Cinnamon Club mm -hmm. exclusively, mm -hmm. but it, see, it always seems to me that the location of Cinnamon Club mm -hmm. has played a big part in the story and the and the success because you're you became part you became a Westminster institution institution right and the you know cinnamon club's name pops up if you do a google search in all kinds of um, expenses scandal expenses scandal <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm glad you said it instead of me but yeah i was going to mention it. i knew you were and, coming to that and right? tra but tra and also but yeah so tra you know trade union dinners and all kinds of things so yeah how is it odd to be part of that? How much do you have to sort of pay attention to any of that? Do you care or is it, it doesn't matter? Because you've had an awful lot of powerful people eating your restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, if there ever was a, a, a piece written on the recent history of political Britain, um, I'm, I'm pretty confident the Cinema Club would get more than half a dozen mentions. Um, you know, right from Blair's days to... Gordon Brown through to David Cameron through to, you know, Maine. <laughs> now, uh, I can't think of a single minister or prime minister who hasn't been in or a member of the parliament who hasn't been in or yeah. you know, doesn't frequent the restaurant um, uh, often enough. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's just one part of the, I mean, that's just, I think it's as much uh, the location for that. Location is, it? I mean, Politicians don't bring other people in. It's not, you know, it's not a, nobody comes to people watch politicians. It's not celebrity, really. No. Yeah, they're not a commercial draw. Correct. Right? They aren't. And they, you know, they can't, and certainly not in this environment. However, um, what has been unique about the Cinnamon Club is not just the location, in my opinion, it's also the setting. The, the Westminster Library setting is just quite something else. There yeah. isn't anything like it. And I think that, you know, that really does bring something to... I mean, I did go, I, and, and again, I'm not saying this to flatter you, but I think the first time I went with my wife, it is one of those places, and I'm sure you see this every night, people yeah. walk into the, in the front door and they have to stop. Yeah. And they have to look around and the scale of it and the height of it. Correct. And Correct. again, not to butter you up, but I think that the way that it's been decorated and the way that it's been yeah. laid out uh, is very respectful of yeah. the of the history really. and the shape of the building. Absolutely, absolutely, and it does. You know, it 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 does. It it carries so much. The room, the setting, carries so much, um, and does so much for that experience. You know, you you can't take that away from it. I mean, are you ever? Don't you ever get curious about 
the deals that have been done and the conversations that have been Not had really, no. under, under the auspices <laughs> of a nice, a nice friendly lunch. Oh, I mean, the, the, I think you know, I, I, I um, see a lot, I notice a lot. But honestly, I mean, for a place like Seven Club, I, and it, it's right that it is like that. It is. It really doesn't differentiate between anyone, you know, between a of politician course. or a banker or a journalist. And discretion, pretty old-fashioned like that, you know, where yeah. I can't think, I don't think I have ever in the 19 years had any member of my team ever, no matter, you know, whether it was Mick Jagger or whoever, would be stopped and asked for a selfie or, a, you know, photograph or a picture. It's just not the kind of place. Um, and, you know, much the better for, for it. So. No, no, you know, I think discussion is very key and I think people need to feel really, um, well, they need to be looked after, but this whole old-fashioned hospitality was that of a, you know, the, the service is like a genie. Right. You know, so you get everything done, but you're never seen or heard. And that, that really is quite special, you know, to, to find that in restaurants. I was asking people what 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 is what else is in season? What else is in season? And they said, "Oh, well, pumpkins are in season." <laughs> and I was kind of reminded of my mother's hot sweet pumpkin chutney. And I thought, oh, by that point, I've been cooking for almost sort of eight to nine years professionally. I never put anything from her on the menu. Right. And um, and you know because I, I just thought you know why would anybody want to pay good money to eat my kind of yeah, home, mom's home cooking? Home yeah, cooking, yeah. you know, because. The way we were trained was, you know, people went out to restaurants to experience and to eat things that they couldn't have at home. Yeah. And so it always had to be something extravagant and, you know, experience yeah. and so on. So anyway, well, um, that was the first thing. So I, I put a hot sweet pumpkin chutney along with the grouse and boy, did it fly. And I cooked the, um, the grouse breast, marinated in tandoori spices, cooked it in the tandoor to order. I think no more than two and a half, three minutes. It's still rare and bloody inside and it was brilliant it you know it sounds cut through like butter <laughs> and ate like a dream you know so um, I mean that that was that I mean having just tasted and the first hit you know the first thing you try and it was such a huge success it just gave us so much confidence that I started working through the game many game season so starting off every season with grouse of course then moving on to partridge pheasant da -da -da, finishing it off um, I have venison all the time on the menu. When I can't find game, I have pigeon. So there's always something, you know, um, to recreate that. We've got some pretty large pieces of paneer. Yeah. And they're in the uh, the sauce of uh, yogurt and tomato and uh, spices that you cooked in advance yeah. before we arrived. And then you've thinned that out with a little bit of hot water. It's bubbling away kind of quite fiercely now. And then what's going to happen next? So, you know, it's, it, the paneer doesn't need any cooking whatsoever. Mm. The sauce, I've done all the, you know, um, grunt work in terms of really slow cooking it, almost like a marmalade, as I was describing. I'm finishing it off with some garam masala. Yeah. Um, just have a smell of that. Oh, yeah. that smells good. Are you, um, at the restaurant, are you um, sourcing and grinding and all of this stuff to, to, yeah. to order? Is that well, a problem? I know I've talked to other people who say that the... Uh, the spices in particular can yeah. be hard uh, to to source at the kind of quality that you would want. Uh, correct. Uh, not so much quality as providence. So 
the challenge is, I, mean, I, I, I fly in the restaurants, I fly all my spices in from India right. um, directly for us. And it's not because what you can find here is not good. On the contrary, most of what you can get in this country is uh, probably better quality than uh, is available on the local market. Um, but the reason I, I fly my own spices in is, like I said, not for quality, but for provenance. You know where they're coming from. To know where they're coming from. And, you know, I, I, I do feel that if I'm trying to recreate a, a fiery Rajasthani lamb curry and, you know, to use chilies that I know from Rajasthan and, and the cloves that probably come from India, rather than, you know, um, cloves that have either come from Ghana or Peru or, you know, God knows where. And so a little bit of butter has gone yeah. in. I, I described this as a dairy dream of a dish. So. You did, and, and um, it's only getting more dreamy with every, yeah, every yeah, passing yeah. second. It yeah, looks exactly. fantastic. So. And I've, I've got to get better at describing smells uh, in audio terms. So, yeah, there's a, you put a handful of, uh, you were rubbing... Dried fenugreek. Fenugreek is, yeah. in over the top there. So this looks in the nicest possible way, but yeah, very rich, um, uh, very thick, um, mm. and... Also, yeah, the smell, the, the acidity of the tomato and the a little bit of acidity from the yogurt, kind of blended with those, um, uh, blended with those spices. That smells fantastic. And so, when you are not, how much time do you spend in the restaurants now? Um, so I'm, I'm I'm there at least five days a week. Okay. Um, I if I'm not, you know if I'm not sort of filming or shooting or... You cook much in the restaurants now? Uh, I try to get at least two, sometimes three days a week in, in the kitchen. Really? Yeah, and then, you know, one, one, certainly one day a week, kind of, you know, business, office or writing recipes. And would you say that, I mean, I would say, I would imagine for someone in your position, maybe in another, I think there are lots of people in your position who don't spend that much time in the kitchen anymore. Um, uh, you, would you say you know, like if you if you didn't want to, you wouldn't have to? Yeah, if I didn't want to, I didn't have to. But uh, I I want to. <laughs> so, and yeah. are you going from restaurant to restaurant often to do that, or do you always yes. go back to? Yes, so there are no two uh, no two days are the same for me. I, I sometimes go to two or three restaurants in one day. Sometimes I uh, I can go to the same restaurant for three or four days. Right. Um, so there's no real you know. And, did, and and you do that kind of at random? Are you scaring your uh, you scaring no, your teams no, to death? No, not necessarily. You, you, no, you don't. You don't. Um, you don't run things like this. I mean, the kitchens and stuff like you can't run um, through scare. I have a fantastic team, and if I didn't have one, mm. um, the only person I could blame would have to be myself, because uh, these chefs have been with me such a long time. Um, each of my head chefs have been with me. You know, anything between 18 to 10 years. So... That's a long time to keep a team. Yeah, in exactly. Such a, in such Every a, single head chef has grown with me, you know, um, or, or grown up within the, the group, within the company. If they know nothing and they're good for nothing and, you know, whatever, they don't believe in what they're doing, then, <laughs> you know, yeah. they only want to want to take the blame for it should be me. So, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't do what we do or get people to, you know, do what we want them to do if they didn't believe in it. Right. And so that's why. And a fair few people have ended up becoming sort of successful 
alumni. Yeah, from, as a yeah. result of spending time in your kitchen, we've yeah, we've yeah, spoken yeah, yeah. to Will Bowlby, who came and, and and worked with you. Yeah, yeah, he spent six months while. with us, uh, and he was very clear from the very beginning that he wanted to, you know, um, he had ideas and he wanted to set up, but he wanted to explore and learn, um, you know, some spicing and some of the other. Things. It must feel good when someone that you've that you've taught absolutely. goes out into the world and starts and making so a success well. for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, the other one um, like that I'm incredibly proud of is um, Alan Sperring in, in, in Brighton, actually. Uh, Chili Pickle. Oh, is he, is he yeah, one of he yours? Spent, yeah, he spent six... Uh, actually, he came in for a few weeks, ended up spending six, seven months with us uh, early days. I mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. I mean, amazing. I, you know, I have a lot of... Chili Pickle's been a real hit. It's well. a real he's, hit. He's done a great job. And there. he's done a great job, absolutely. I think... It's harder now to, to get rid of the hierarchy, to be honest with you. I think that is a bigger, because, you know, that is the part of uh, adapting, of evolving that is required. You actually need kitchens to be a lot more free flow and open places where people can, can, can contribute and come up with ideas and suggestions. Right. Uh, yeah, it's not a old, system that encourages correct, necessarily, yeah. uh, I've had an idea, boss. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, you need to, you need to be a lot more open and you in order to be able to engage with the younger uh, crop of chefs coming through and what have you, you really need to um, uh, break down these sort of hierarchical borders, you know, boundaries, and you almost have to create like a pool where, or a table where, you know, every chef, all people are kind of gathered around doing stuff, but, you know, exchanging ideas. And yeah. So it is actually a shift that needs to happen, and, you know, whether it's happening quickly enough um, in the industry, I don't know. Is that them. something that you do with your people is, is like try and to. get some time with them to yeah, just say, look, yeah. what have you been thinking about? Yeah, or what have you been exactly. working on? And, you know, there's, there absolutely is no substitute for that. So this glorious looking uh, vegetable uh, pilau with its cauliflower and its carrots and its spicing and the chilies and the peas and the bay leaves and then a little scattering of those cashew nuts and raisins that you fried up. It's going on over the top. I mean, that looks like a glorious meal in and of itself before we even get to the, um, uh, to the paneer. Wow, that looks lovely. And, and, and plenty of it as well. Oh, look, are you going to take a photo of it? I think I should too. If, we're, <laughs> look, if you're Instagramming your food, then it means I'm allowed to as well, right? <laughs> Does that bother you? You must get people doing it in the restaurant all the time. I know it's no, a bit it of a bone of contention for some people. It doesn't bother me at all. Oh, what have I done? How, how come this has moved so far away? From <laughs> this needs to get closer to Sorry, me. no, we're in the you hands of an experienced up. professional here, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It's all working really smoothly. Oh, man, this is absolute. this looks so good. See, this is, a, this is the classy version of what I would try and make at home. And, and a second Instagram photo. Still on Instagram yet. <laughs> it sh it's, shortly will be. It's right? just a record of what I'm... I've been up to. <laughs> All right, well, no, then I should take a picture of the other one as well. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just describe both of these in as much detail as possible. What are we looking at here, Vivek? What are we going to eat? So what have you got? You've got um, a vegetable pilau with carrots, cauliflower, peas. Um, the yellow, the, the, the golden aura you see there, that's... That sunshine is turmeric, it's not saffron. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, for that added richness and crunch and texture, you've got some fried cashew nuts and raisins in there. 
So right, nice little sweet and spicy action coming, going from raisins and chilies laying along. Um, um, my, this is my mother's pilau recipe, by the way. And then um, next to it, we've got um, almost the perfect accompaniment for it. <laughs> yeah, really unctuous, very rich, dreamy paneer butter masala. It's an absolute classic. Have a have a go. Dig I in. will. I'm, I'm going to dig in. And uh, yeah, let's see. Okay. So. Oh, so I give you a big, bigger spoon, maybe. That's okay. Wow, this really does look amazing. Just in this peanut, what is really interesting about this is that it's a lot of different flavors going on in there, but I can really sort of pick each one of those separate notes out. That's really, that's quite something. And so what do you feel like doing next? Because <laughs> yeah. you don't look tired or bored to me, <laughs> right? So there's got to be something like in the, in the pipeline. What's bubbling away right now for, for Yeah, that? so you know, I, I've been, I've, I've been sort of, Having ideas. I'm not looking to open a <clears throat> new restaurant this year. I, I'd much rather focus on um, trying to make Cinnamon Club's 20th anniversary as big and as bold and as meaningful as it can be. Because, you know, it's it's a phenomenal achievement. Even even if um, having lived through those 19 years, I don't, you know, A, don't, don't, doesn't feel 20 years on. B, it feels like a massive uh, big deal because you could literally count on your fingertips the number of restaurants that, you know, a survive twenty years or mm. more than more than that actually thrive uh, or still remain relevant. So I'm really excited about that. That is what is going to you know keep me really engaged and enthused and excited all of this year and probably good you know. And then maybe towards the second half of next year, i.e. 2021, mm -hmm. I may do a restaurant depending on what else is going on in London, but it will be something very different. Um, because I think, you know, um, I like to explore new things and I like to also bring new experiences to people that, you know, perhaps want it. Well, I mean, I'm right in the middle of my journey right now <laughs> with this with this paneer. And um, that is that is really quite something. It's really there it's really unctuous. The really sort very of good. The, I'm very pleased. the richness of that is absolutely delicious, and the so I'm getting more. I'm getting better and better at judging the difference between sort of good spicing and bad spicing because you can put heat into anything, yeah. right? You can make something. Um, you can get an endorphin rush off of heat. You can just chuck Tabasco in. You can chuck chili sauce in. Whatever. But this is a, that's a really rounded. Yeah, it's like um, it's spicing. It, yeah, it's, it feels like it's going round and round in my mouth in a in a circle between warmth and 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 heat, and then a little bit of a there's a little bit of a tingle to it that is absolutely lovely. Just inside the kind of um, just inside the sort of pain threshold for me, <laughs> which is which is exactly exactly where it, I want to be. Has it taken you to the edge? Is it? Mm. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm, no, I'm really happy with that. Um, so, with all of the, so you've got five restaurants. That's right. I tried to count the number of cookbooks on Amazon last night, and I, I, I'm probably not going to get it right, but it's, it's six or seven cookbooks yeah, out now. Is that fair six. to say? Yeah. And you do some, you do some TV. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you've uh, you've got a lot of charity work that I know that you're yeah. in, involved in. Where do you ever do you ever think where the kind of edge might be in terms of how much time you have or how much passion you have? Do you ever think, well, if it if it, if it gets the, it's going to get to a certain size and I won't be able to do everything that I want to do? Where's the where's the limit for you if there I, is one? Yeah, I'm sure there is a, a, a limit, but I can't see it yet. So at the moment, I, I you know I think I'm. I'm just fine and, you know, happy with whatever's going on and doing. I'm in no rush to get anywhere. Um, and, you know, it's not like I have, I, I you know, kind of set deadlines for myself. You know, I've got to be there in four years' time and, you know, um, I got to have done this or got that or been there. Um, I have no such plans. That I, I kind of, you know, try and enjoy each day, each week, each month as it comes. And I try to set myself, you know, smaller goals and targets and you know if there is a book so I'm, I, I'm just working on a uh, on an updated book at the moment a book that I wrote or I was involved in 14 years ago oh really and still What's going this you know kind of relaunching it uh, with a slightly updated version so I'm doing some recipes for them but it, it gives me great pleasure to be able to just look back and you know so open this up and see a 14 year old book and and you know in my head, I'm thinking, what, what should I have? Well, this would be a good recipe and that. And I open it up and look in there and, you know, actually I've already put those recipes in. Right. They're already in there. <laughs> you know? it, it's a fantastic feeling to, uh, to, to be able to, you know, really, more than anybody else, if you like your work that you've done 14 years on, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, yeah, most people would look back yeah. and think, oh, what was I yeah, playing? Was I, I learned thinking? so much exactly. since then. Exactly, exactly. And... Do you ever see yourself, are you one of those people that can enjoy your time off? Are you going to hang up your hang up your kind of chef's hat one day and, and go and lie around on the beach? Or are you one of those people <laughs> that, where, it's, where, you, where that's not possible? I don't know. I, 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 I like to think of, you know, it's a, it's a bit like that question where you say, what do you do to let your hair down? I say, my, my hair is always down. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's always down. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like, you know, what, what would you do to have a good time or to enjoy yourself? I really enjoy myself. So I, I don't need a retirement to, to, to be able to do that. Um, however, I mean, that, that said, you know, um, do I do exactly the same things that I did 20 years ago? No. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a different. So I, 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 I probably cook a lot less uh, relatively uh, yeah. from then. Um, or I don't run sort of, you know, um, the order sheets for every night, for every service, for every um, um, section in every restaurant. But I do other things, you know, I, uh, the TV and the uh, education and the uh, and training and teaching young people and so on. Um, I enjoy that. That's, you know, it's a slightly different uh, way of doing it. There's obviously a lot more business and the other stuff that goes with it as well. But I, you know, having done this now this long, I know to be able to do more of the stuff that you love to do, you need to be able to do some of the stuff that you hate. Right. You know, so yeah. you just have to... You have to have that sort of uh, sense of balance about you can't just pick and choose all the good stuff that you want to do and then, you know, all the other stuff that you don't enjoy, you let other people do it. It won't yeah. work. So, you know, if you really want um, to be able to you know, do a new restaurant, whatever, you need to make sure that whatever your existing restaurants are, they are working fine. They have great, you know, 
both commercial and you know, other balance sheets and all of that stuff needs to, to play out. So yeah, ours has been a constant battle of the creative and the commercial. And we just make sure that neither of them completely takes over the other. So right. yeah, it's, just, it's important, important to have both. <laughs> well, um, so, oh, I always forget to do this. One second. I've got you, I brought you a present, which I should have given you uh, when I arrived, because that's what, that's what a guest ought to do oh. when, uh, when a host welcomes them into their home. Um, but, <laughs> you needn't have. No, no, no. Well, be, because uh, obviously you're inviting us in, and I feel bad coming empty-handed, but I'm from Sussex. So I always like to bring a bit of Sussex produce. And I was thinking, we get a really good game, but... You know, you get plenty of game. You can't have that. Oh, um, good man. So this is uh, <laughs> sea, pink peppercorn and Himalayan sea salt. Brilliant. Dark brilliant. Chocolate right on my street, this. And white chocolate and cardamom as well. So this is a little artisan chocolate maker oh, yes, from Brighton. in Brighton. Cacao Company. Um, Amazing. Who's kind of putting them together. And that's uh, so, you know, and so with, with these gifts, it only falls to me to say on this recording, thank you very much for having us into your home. Thank you for cooking this delicious food for us and telling us all about your life. And thank you very much for being on the Root and Bone podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. An unctuous, dairy dream of a dish. That's how he described it. And that's what it was like to eat. It's a pleasure just to say it, let alone to eat it. What a delicious meal. Um, what I loved most about this dish was that I think it's probably something I could try at home. You could probably try it at home too. Not a hugely complicated, chefy, Michelin-starred meal. Delicious, but quite easy to make. And we're at home right now, all of us, because of COVID-19. So why not give Granny's paneer a try? Um, thanks again to Vivek for allowing us into his home and for cooking for us. Thanks to Thomas for producing this episode. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. Um, get in touch at Root and Bone on the social channels. Please like and subscribe if you're into what we're doing and look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye.